In the week I'm recording this episode of Eastern Promise, the COP27 climate conference opened in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, with the urgent need to match warm words with firm action. In Ukraine, meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin continues to weaponize energy, and here in the UK, the government is mulling over controversial new oil and gas licenses, as Just Stop Oil protesters are stepping up direct action. Other groups of climate change activists are available. Bleak though that may all sound, the east of England is very well placed indeed to offer solutions to these seemingly immense and intractable challenges, as well as sustainably growing our economy and regenerating our places. I journeyed over to Orbis Energy in Lowestoft to meet with Ian Pease, All Energy Business Manager for Generate, and I began by asking him, what exactly is Generate? Generate is uh, our region's inward investment, uh, energy inward investment brand, and it's a partnership and, uh, of organisations, local authorities, including Great Yarmouth Borough Council, Norfolk County Council, Suffolk County Council, East Suffolk Council, and the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership, and works really closely with organisations like the East of England Energy Group, EGA, and other stakeholders in the region to really promote that energy opportunity to an international audience um, of potential investors to, to explore how uh, they, can, they can become involved and, and, and look at some of those opportunities on there in the east of England. Because I know at the recent Southern North Sea conference uh, at the Norfolk Showground, I remember uh, chatting to Charles McDowell, who's representing the city of Virginia Beach, which is looking at putting a huge, colossal wind farm off their coast. Uh, but he was very clear that this is the region that uh, the US is looking to for, its te for the technology and for the expertise needed to assemble that wind farm. That must be a, a hugely uh, exciting opportunity. Well, it is. And we've worked with, with colleagues over at Virginia Beach um, for two or three years now. And uh, I guess what's interesting there is, is the expertise that we've built up in the Southern North Sea over many, many years in uh, not just offshore wind, but in, in gas and marine logistics are all skills and, and capabilities that the UK can export to other parts of the world. And the US is, is a real open door for, for UK businesses and businesses in the east of England at the moment. So we've got some great examples already with companies like Seajax in Great Yarmouth who are building a vessel over in, over in the States that will be used to install some of this 30 gigawatts of uh, offshore wind off the US, the East Coast alone. So, yeah. so we're working really closely with, with Virginia Beach and, and, and colleagues over in that US market and the DIT to really share our capability and, and build our own uh, sustainability through exports, which is, is so important to the supply chain in, in the East of England. I mean, we, I do really uh, thrilled to have uh, listeners uh, in the United States, uh, particularly in California, but also some on the East Coast. And as well as in Europe and, 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 in, uh, and in India. Um, could you give our listener, uh, wherever they may be found, some idea of how well-placed the, the East of England is for, for renewables and uh, low-carbon technology? Okay, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll go through it very quickly, but to, to start with, let's look at offshore wind, for example. So it's fair to say that the East of England and the Southern North Sea we're pioneers in offshore wind, and we are now leaders in offshore wind. And as we look forward to the next 20 to 30 years, our place in the UK's and the world's offshore wind is, is set to expand rapidly. So 
Our first significant offshore wind farm was uh, Scroby Sands, just off the coast of Great Yarmouth, 60 megawatts. And I think it was opened in 2000, 2004. So, so since then, we've, we've installed a further 4.6 gigawatts of offshore wind, which amounts to over 1,000 turbines off our coastline in the close proximity of Norfolk, Suffolk and Essex. And um, as we look forward, that's set to quadruple to, uh, to something like, well, in the first instance, we've got a, a 6.5 gigawatt pipeline of, of projects that have just wow. recently been consented. So projects from Scottish Power, Renewables, EA3, uh, EA1 North, EA2, and Vattenfall's Norfolk Vanguard and Boreas projects, but also a number of extension projects from Equinor, uh, and RW and SSE that are now kind of in the in the planning process. So, so offshore wind is significant for us, and uh, um, our gas sector is still incredibly important. Backton Gas Terminal handles about thirty percent of the UK's gas requirements um, from a, a combination of southern North Sea gas fields, but also import and export um, lines from from Europe. So, so our our capability in gas is still incredibly important. Onshore renewables, we are, you know, we have a, a fair share of our of onshore renewables in terms of solar and commercial scale solar, and again, an area that has potential for growth when coupled with things like battery storage, and also biomass. So, we, you know, we we've been pioneers in many of these technologies, and uh, and uh, as we move forward, uh, we've got huge new developments in nuclear with Sizewall C, recent decisions on Sizewall C an existing power plant in size will be that's been generating since the 80s and looks to, to continue to, to help provide that base load of energy. So there's very few other parts of the UK and arguably the world that has that capability and mix of energy um, from both from a, an energy transition perspective, from, from gas through to, to clean energy development and, uh, and, and all those uh, important things that it brings from an economic development perspective as well. What you're describing there sounds very much like, um, exactly like, in fact, the dynamic and collaborative energy ecosystem that's sort of contained within the, the Generate Energy prospectus here. Do you want to just unpack that for us a bit more? So we have, we have this, this, this heritage in, in energy, um, which we've talked about in the past is 60 years of, of, of offshore related energy. Um, and within that, this ecosystem has developed this supply chain that, uh, that encompasses engineering businesses. Um, but also what's really interesting is, is a whole load of expertise around uh, research and development and innovation. So organizations in Lowestoft, for example, like CFAS, who have been uh, undertaking marine sciences and um, marine surveys for over over 100 years now. And, that, and that's really kind of... Uh, really important as in terms of our position in terms of this whole sort of uh, circular economy as well. So, um, but also with, with universities like the UEA and University of Suffolk and, and, and UEA's expertise in climate research. Um, and also from a technology perspective, sometimes we, we, uh, we overlook the, you know, the, the expertise down in Ad Astral Park in Ipswich that, that brings huge amounts of um, um, technical expertise and communications uh, that, that all feed into our sector. So, so when you roll it all together, you create a really, really exciting environment for, that offers a range of different careers and, and, and expertise as, uh, as, we, as we sort of move into this new energy era. Yeah, it, it really is um, a virtuous circle, I think, of um, 
organizations as a feeding, you know, tech uh, organizations feeding in education, uh, academia, research into, you know, climate science. You've got, as you, you mentioned, batteries, uh, you know, the, the, the storage and longevity capability of batteries. So it really is an exciting time and, and an exciting place to be. To, to sort of, you feel that kind of, not to tell you, I'm trying not to use the word tailwind, but um, yeah, you, you kind of feel that, that, uh, that sort of uh, uh, energy behind it. Oh God, I've done it again. <laughs> um, now, um, I think 2004, was um, the real dawn of the of of this uh, green growth revolution on our coast, and uh, a lot of young people, um, but not just young people, um, have been inspired to pursue careers in the energy sector. Again, I say not just young people because there's quite a vibrant, I think, offer to particularly ex-service personnel with engineering skills. Um, I've met a couple of sort of um, you know ex-RAF, um, for example, uh, with sort of turbine. Uh, engineering experience. So uh, how can we keep that going and uh, sort of expand uh, expand that outwards from, from sort of lower stuffed beyond? It's a, it's a good question. So I think, um, you know, when you look at this enormous amount of potential we've got moving forward, you know, one of our key challenges is, you know, how do we provide the people to fill those, um, those highly skilled jobs? And uh, as you mentioned, you know, um, the energy sector has always provided, you know, people in our communities with, with a really uh, high value and sustainable job and uh, opportunities. And, and our local colleges um, have really picked up the baton with that and, and provided programs working with organisations like Eager and Skills for Energy to really create the right provision to ensure that people have a pathway into the sector so not just young people as you mentioned you know we've worked really closely with the ex-military uh, and and, um, and those those people transitioning from a career in the military who bring not just the technical skills but the kind of mindset and the behavioral skills that are really important for, yeah. for our sector as well so um, you know it's highly safety conscious it's uh, highly organized and and highly disciplined and all those skill sets that, that the military bring are really important in the energy sector. So we've worked on programs that, that help to, um, to kind of transfer those, those skill sets, which sometimes need a bit of interpretation between a, perhaps a military environment mm -hmm. um, to an engineering environment. Um, yeah. and, and those skills in mechanical, electrical, instrumentation and control, process engineering, they're all there. Mm -hmm. And they just need a little bit of tweaking and sometimes a little bit of intervention from our are, are really excellent skills providers in the region to then set these people into yeah. into long-lasting careers as they move out of the out of the military, but also other sectors as well. So uh, as we you know transition from uh, you know fossil fuel-based economy and energy system, um, those people have very similar skills that that can uh, that can then move into clean energy. And if we we haven't talked about hydrogen yet, but you know hydrogen is a process. Um, yeah. engineering technology so it relies on a lot of instrumentation and control and process engineering and again the skill sets we have in 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 our gas sector and uh, our food manufacturing sectors and and those areas are all ripe for work in alternative and green fuels as we move through yeah it was rattling through my Easter quiz before I get there so I'm gonna hang on a minute so East Anglia one it's kind of the first in a, a super array 
of up to six projects uh, that could be built over the next two decades uh, in the East Anglian zone. Could you flesh out for us what that will look like once it's up and running in terms of the benefits you know, that will accrue locally, nationally, globally? Yeah, so if we look at uh, East Anglia 1 uh, as an example, that's um, over 100 turbines. I think it's something like 714 megawatts of power. And, and indeed, it's one of the, the first big projects, uh, mega projects off our, off our coastline, along with a number of others, actually. But, um, but if you look at the impact of something like EA1 on Great Yarmouth and Lowestoft, it's arguably significant in the last, you know, um, their 25 million pound O&M base, operations and maintenance base in Lowestoft is, a, is a, an example of the jobs and the, the investment that, that these projects bring to our region, not just from a construction point of view, you know, much of the construction was, was from the port of Great Yarmouth, um, which has the facilities and the deep water and the, and the capability to to install a lot of this offshore wind, uh, but also Lowestoft and, and um, um, from an operations and maintenance point of view. So, so that's a kind of an indicator of what's to come, you know, in terms of the future. So the idea with uh, projects like EA3, which is, is now, now commencing, is you have a pipeline, a long pipeline, which creates sustainability and creates yeah. um, you know, longevity in terms of not just operations and maintenance, because we're, we're, we're a great region for operations and maintenance, but also for construction and pre-assembly and, um, and, and those other tasks that require lots of, lots of people and lots of skills in, in, in short bursts. But when you chunk together projects, you create that long-term pipeline, which gives investors confidence in the yeah, area as well. So confidence in our yeah. area, you know, uh, to see it as a viable investment location. Um, to help employ people from our, our, our local area, to invest in our infrastructure, and to really create those kind of long-term sustainable employment opportunities that as economic development practitioners, we, we get really excited about, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we really exactly. want to see. You know. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, I mean, you, you bring me on brilliantly to, my, to, to one of my next questions, which is, and I, I, I lift, nobody can see me do this, obviously, but uh, Lowestoft Eastern Energy Facility and Power Park, uh, Lowestoft Eastern Energy Facility, LEAF. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of read through that um, as, as I was prepping for this and Associated British Ports announcing, uh, in 20, last year was announcing a, a sort of five-year plan for this, 25 million pound investment, investment in rail here, investment in the key here. What excites me about that, if excited isn't too strong a word, is um, the, the potential to raise skill levels and aspirations in this, this, this part of the world. Uh, what particularly excites you and excites Generate and Suffolk County Council, I suppose, about the possibilities coming off investments like LEAF? And what, 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 perhaps if you just want to give a, a brief, better picture than I already have, about what LEAF is, and if you can remember that, start the question, bigger question than I am. <laughs> yeah, so I, I suppose LEAF, LEAF is one of, one of a, probably a range of really exciting initiatives um, that, are, that Generator working with and, and promoting to an international audience. And uh, the Lowestoft Eastern Energy Facility, LEAF, will, will bring a whole new uh, capability to the region from a marine logistics perspective. Um, as with many industries, as things get bigger and scale up, 
they need a different approach. And, and one of the things that LEAF will have is um, uh, berths for what we call service operations vessels, which are much larger than traditional crew transfer vessels, which may operate on a daily basis. So SOVs will operate on a, on a perhaps a two-week rotation. We'll have technicians on board and, and will be restocked um, coming into port a lot less often, but require much more space and, and facilities to maintain. So projects like LEAF will help facilitate that. And, um, and again, you mentioned about um, some of those other projects. We've also got projects in Great Yarmouth, the operations and maintenance campus as well, and, and enhancements yes. to, to the outer harbour. So, so Generate is very much a, a, a you know a, a partnership organisation, and, and and we're there to promote the, the multiple projects, how we can how we can welcome development and inward investment to our area. And one of the sort of our key messages really to government is is you know we completely understand the levelling up agenda and. Um, but we also need our fair share of that levelling up on the eastern coast in, in Norfolk and Suffolk. You know, some of our communities will really benefit from some of those clean energy opportunities. And, yeah. uh, and projects like LEAF are, are very welcome. And, um, and, and alongside LEAF, we've got industrial areas that we've allocated to, to clean energy development. So Power Park, as you mentioned earlier, uh, is East Suffolk Council's um, plans to really uh, reinforce that supply chain capability in our region and um, buildings like Orbis Energy are, are, are kind of a forefront to, to Power Park and were, were established for that very reason to attract um, or provide a location for businesses who needed to set up in the region with a easy in, mm. easy lease, uh, flexible arrangements so they can move in uh, in fairly quick order and when they've outgrown Orbis Energy they can move to a, you know, a building in uh, in Power Park or in, in the O&M campus in Great Yarmouth and, and really maintain those, uh, those opportunities and maintain those, those jobs in, in the area. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about obviously the, the, the capability of more and bigger ships and that means more people either on the ships or servicing the ships when they come in or you know, in construction phases. That means more people around the town, that means more money going into shops and restaurants and cafes and and you know and that slowly and surely you know when when the cafes for example we have don't here don't you know they need more cafes more cafes there's more opportunities blah 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 and outward and outward and outward and outward um which is which is uh, really a really encouraging thing you mentioned and I'm, i i slightly hesitate to do this because it's ask this question because it's not it's it's not. It's generally, I like to to, uh, to 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 maintain an air of um, implacable, relentless optimism. But that pipeline of projects, to, to what extent is that now baked in and is 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 going forward? And to what extent can we protect it? I suppose I'm saying from uh, the vicissitudes of um, policymakers at the sort of the, towards the top end of the chain. <laughs> um. I think whatever the administration looks like and whatever direction it travels, there's been a, a, a stark realization that uh, energy security is equally as important as um, uh, clean energy development. And I suppose what what some of the developments we're talking about with with offshore wind and with uh, with other clean energy technologies is it does bring a level of energy security um, 
and energy sovereignty that yeah. that perhaps we haven't seen in uh, uh, in the last sort of fifty years. So, so these projects are incredibly well advanced, and many are under construction and, and will be under construction in in the, in the, the coming months and years. And they provide a really reliable source of green energy um, to the UK. So these are opportunities that are, that, are, that are too good to pass up for the UK government in terms of securing that energy supply and, and continuing our journey to, to less reliance on, on, on fossil fuels from other parts of the, of the world. Yeah. I mean, uh, energy security, again, you, 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 you teed me up nicely there uh, to talk about the British energy security strategy and its ambition to, to deliver uh, 50 gigawatts uh, of offshore wind by 2030, including 5 gigawatts of floating wind. Now, first of all, floating wind. I'm just really interested, how does that work? So, so again, you know... Well, it's obviously it floats, but, you know... Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at what, what offshore wind in the UK has done primarily to date is what we call sort of fixed bottom foundation-based mm. um, structures. So they're, they're either piled into the ground on a, on a, a single monopile or um, in deeper waters, um, they're used, uh, they're fixed to a, a jacket type system that you might see in similar to, to the oil and gas sector, um, which is, makes good sense in, in, a, in a region like the Southern North Sea, which is comparatively shallow to perhaps some other parts of the UK. So when you get into deeper waters, those, those technologies become less effective. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, and so technologies around floating um, systems become more attractive. So again, you know, the UK has got huge amounts of experience in structures in, uh, that float in the water and, and gravity-based type things in, in, in from the oil and gas sector. So there's a real opportunity with floating wind um, throughout the UK. And, and, and in effect, the, the technology above the, the, the structure is very similar. So it's going to use very similar turbines and um, and equipment and, and generating equipment, but when it comes to the structures that are, that are being built, they need to be you know fairly robust and anchored and and well maintained to 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 work in that those harsher environments, those deeper deeper seas. But the beauty of them is is that from a, a maintenance point of view and a, a a mobility point of view, they they can be moved and brought into to shore for for repair and, and upgrade and. And things so so we have the technologies to do that you know that this is nothing new but it's it's at the moment it's a little bit more expensive because it's much like offshore wind fixed fixed bottom offshore wind was perhaps 20 years ago where you know the technologies were still being sort of finessed and uh, yeah but but we've seen a rapid decline in the cost of offshore wind um, over that 20-year period and likewise you'll see the same with with uh, with floating offshore wind probably from around 2030 onwards so uh, so what generates role, the East of England's role, going to be in sort of pushing for, it, for a very healthy slug of that 50 uh, gigawatt? So we've already got quite a lot of it yep. on, our, on our doorstep and planned in our doorstep. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the 4.6 is already there and generating on a day like today. Uh, we've got this sort of pipeline of already consented wind, which is something like 6.6. 6.7 gigawatts and these extension projects so so there's already we will play a significant role in that and and it, like I mentioned it's it's cost effective and it's it's the planning processes are, are well down the road so so we will get a, a fairly significant share of that offshore wind 
growth in, in off the coastlines of Norfolk, Suffolk and Essex. Um, and again, you know, our supply chain is wide and varied, so it will work in other regions as well. You know, it can work in, it can work with the Humber, it can work with the Northeast, it can work with, with Scotland. We've got that, you know, long-term relationship with other regions where oh, we can bring together supply chains and we can really um, support that. Um, and then when we, we touched on earlier, the export market, you know, that whole export market, um, offshore wind is widely seen as a, as a, as a global opportunity um, for businesses. Um, in our region and, and we'll really work with those to bring those opportunities to our supply chain for, from a generate perspective. Yeah, uh, over at Orbis Energy, we've got a, a company here called 4C Offshore who do market intelligence for offshore yes. wind just upstairs. And uh, they working with us to identify those sort of three key regions. And you know, we, we know that they're the US market, we know that it's other parts of Europe, but also Southeast Asia and, and opportunities over there. So, so many of our companies are, are already doing work over there, but there's a, there's a whole lot more to come, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, a, a firm believer um, that when other parts of uh, particularly, you know, the UK and the, 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 this region, but also wide, wider across the UK, get investment. That it's it's not a defeat; it's an opportunity. So, and, and you think so you're highlighting how that expertise is going out from this region to to, to, to support others, uh, which is great. Um, talk to me about hydrogen, because um, the the sole the, the, the very little I've. Um, come across about hydrogen is, uh, I thought, you know, I, I thought I was, I was learning something new when I found out this morning that there the were three colours of hydrogen. Actually, you're telling me they're actually a, like a virtual paint chart, um, you know, of, of hydrogen, or there's nowhere you can go to to get, you know, mix your own hydrogen, <laughs> you know, I'd like it this colour, please, you know, uh, teal. Um, and um, the government's just opened um, a consultation process on transport storage of hydrogen. Um, George Freeman MP, um, both before and during his time as science minister, an advocate of hydrogen. And so, how do we sort of turn all this uh, into, you know, a, a firm strategy? I know Sizewell is going to have hydrogen buses during its constru construction phase. So again, hydrogen brings uh, a new dimension to to our energy system, um, not just in 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 our region, but but throughout the UK and, and globally, indeed. And um, our role in that is going to be, you know, is, is really interesting because, as, as you mentioned, there's many different forms of hydrogen, and uh, traditionally it's what we call grey hydrogen, which has been produced through 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 gas and is, is quite carbon intensive. And uh, a shift away from production of grey hydrogen into uh, green hydrogen, which is from, uh, as the name would suggest, green and renewable energy sources. Mm -hmm. um, and again, blue hydrogen, which uh, some debate around at the moment in terms of production from gas and s sequestration of the, the carbon that's produced and, and opportunities there. Uh, but very much a, a focus on, on green hydrogen. And as you mentioned with Sizewell, um, opportunities to produce hydrogen from the, uh, the high temperatures produced at, uh, within a, a nuclear power station. So again, you know, real huge opportunities in Norfolk and Suffolk around um, transport and, and those hard to decarbonise areas. So if you can't electrify it, you can perhaps consider hydrogen for um, heavy goods vehicles, for agricultural machineries, yeah. for 
for transport, heavy transport, but also for marine and, and shipping. So uh, uh, there's been some really exciting announcements from Scottish Power recently about uh, the exploration of a, a hydrogen plant in Felixstowe, uh, green really? hydrogen plant in Felixstowe, which will um, produce significant amounts of green hydrogen. Um, there's a project in Lowestoft, which is, is currently going through the, the Net Zero Hydrogen Fund from a company called Conrad Energy, who are looking to build um, a hydrogen electrolyzer within their flexible generation site. So here's an opportunity to, to reduce reliance on, on, on gas and blend with hydrogen, but also look at other use cases. So it might be that um, perhaps local authorities could utilize some of that hydrogen to power refuse vehicles or gritting lorries or uh, local bus companies might want to use hydrogen, uh, green hydrogen to power their, 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 their vehicles. Um, and again, working with organisations like Hydrogen East, um, who are really exploring from a research perspective that, that interconnectivity and how we can um, realise those, those sort of sometimes disparate opportunities around hydrogen and coalescing them into a coherent strategy for our region are, are really exciting. And, and again, you know, the technologies and the capabilities of our, our businesses and people within, within, um, within the region, are, we're well positioned to provide a different offer to hydrogen compared to perhaps what an, a more industrialised area like the Humber might, where we're looking at high energy yeah. users. So our, our, our hydrogen story will be slightly different, but nevertheless very compelling as we move forward. The government is looking at reducing consent time for, for, for wind, uh, offshore wind, uh, from uh, that's currently up to four years down to one year. If successful, what do you see the impact of that being on the industry? I mean, I think it provides certainty for, for developers and it provides a, you know, um, confidence to their their stakeholders that investment in 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 the uk is um is likely to happen uh, in reasonable time scales and, and as you mentioned we've seen planning takes significant time these are, these are hugely complex projects you know it's, it's we mustn't underestimate how um how complex they are so they do take time but but that process certainly needs to be quicker if we want to hit those ambitions for for 50 gigawatts by, uh, by, of offshore wind by 2030, which is, is, is a real stretching target. So, so the planning process does need to be swift and it needs to be um, uh, and quick and efficient. So, uh, and also, you know, we need more people to help with those planning consents. And, and, and again, you know, there's areas of shortages there that, that the industry is picking up where, where we can build capability. There's a, a project uh, in Swaffham Prior in Cambridgeshire um, looking at... Uh, community district heating, uh, which is basically a village has a, a, a power station effectively that, um, or, or it's sort of centralized boiler, I suppose is a better uh, analogy. That uh, the, the water leaves the boiler at about 75 degrees centigrade and returns at 73, having gone round, you know, and heated the water in all the, all the houses in the village. Is generate and uh, is, is the industry looking at sort of community scale um, renewable projects where uh, local people can invest in their own sort of technology and, and power themselves locally? Yeah, I'm a, there's no doubt that those projects will form part of that kind of new energy mix um, and, um, and generate's role really is, is to 
to highlight and identify those opportunities. But we work with a number of stakeholders. So you know, we work closely with, with people like the Greater Southeast Energy Hub who are really looking to support community organisations and see how they can build that, that, those opportunities for, for some of those places. So, so yeah, so we're, we're very much looking at it from a, an inward investment point of view. Um, but when you start to build that level of scale and number of projects, then you create a really tangible opportunity for people so, and, yeah. and businesses. So, so, you know, the odd one, two or three projects here and there aren't really enough to, to stimulate people to perhaps consider locating their business here. So, but when you start to scale them up and bring uh, multiple projects to the, to the table, then it mm -hmm. becomes a little bit more exciting. So, so generate will support in those those areas where you know where where those sort of growth areas. So we talk about solar, don't we, and talk mm -hmm. about commercial scale solar, but also um, you know roof based solar as well. When, when those projects ramp up to enough that, that create a real tangible opportunity, then you know that that becomes interesting to 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 the wider uh, investment community as well. Yeah. We are just under a week away from the EGA uh, East of England Energy Groups. Uh, reception at the House of Commons, a, a building I am not unfamiliar with. Um, uh, what message will you be taking? And I, I accept this may be basically re re repeating something you've been saying for the past, uh, well, uh, you know, some little while now. But what message will you be taking to the politicians? And what mes message would you have for those we perhaps need to reach out to a bit more to convince them, to, to show them the benefits of, uh, of, of this part of the world and renewable energy? So, so the overarching message is to, to Westminster uh, is that here is a region, the east of England, that will be in the next 10 years producing up to a third of the UK's electricity uh, requirement from our region through a range of forms of energy. And we want the government's support and ongoing support to help our communities to benefit from that opportunity and recognise the importance of the region uh, in terms of the UK's energy, wider energy system. So that's quite a clear message, quite a powerful message. Mm. And within it, there's a load of other stuff to unpack in terms of uh, investment for our infrastructure, um, continued investment to look at skills and how we can uh, bring local people uh, into those, um, those opportunities and realise those opportunities on our doorstep. So... So there are key messages, and yeah. we're quite excited about going down there as as a new administration is is, yeah, is rolling great out. Yeah, timing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of my very very oldest sores I like to well saw is um, you know the 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 importance of making it an offer to government and not an ask to government. Mm. And what I what what an offer basically the offer is colossal. The offer is amazing and it's incredibly strong. Uh, you're, you're going down there, and I wish I could come too, but um, uh, you're going down there with an incredibly strong hand to play to government and saying, what a, what a persuasive, uh, you know, detailed case to make. And um, all power to you, I, 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 I must say. And uh, I, I know that you guys are going to really bring it home for the East of England, as you are uh, every day here. So, Ian Pease, thank you ever so much for your time today. It's, it's great to be here and learn about more about what you've been doing. So thank you very much. It's been great to meet you, Mike. Thanks thank very you. much. I'm very grateful to Ian for his time. Now, you don't sit in many boardrooms where you can see the waves crashing against the shore right outside the window, but 
you can at Orbis Energy. To find out more, go to generate-energy.co.uk.